Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. We're going to do something here. You know, I was reminded last night, I I had a word that God gave me um, almost a year ago. And I was... I was driving over one of the bridges in Peoria and, and I asked God, hey God, what are you doing? And he said, he said this, he said, I'm winnowing. And I'm like, winnowing? I know, I kind of know what that means. Let me just double check. So I got home, I looked up the word. It's, it's, it's what the combine does in the fields. It's what the farmers do. They take the chaff off of the seed. It separates the chaff from the seed. And you know, I want to be very clear. We have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God did not send this virus. But what happens is, just like David and Goliath, Goliath, the enemy, whips out his sword, but you and I have the enemy under our feet because of where we're positioned. We're positioned in the heavenly realms with Jesus because of his right hand and his power. Everything is under our feet. So what the enemy means for evil, God always turns around for good. And he's using this right now in the nations and in the church, especially in America, to separate the chaff, the stuff that's worthless, from the seed. Get it? There's a reason why sports are canceled. All of our gods, small g, have been canceled. So we can focus on the lamb. So now is the time to press in. Now is the time. It's the stirring for revival for the seed to be separated from the chaff and to go underground and rise up. I felt really strongly in my spirit that together as a a church this morning, we want to declare Psalm 91. Because, you know, Jesus, when he was, was crossing the boat that one time, remember the storm came and all the disciples were afraid. And what did Jesus do? He rebuked the storm. He rebuked the storm, and, and, and the disciples, after it happened, he said, peace be still. The disciples says, who has power like this to rebuke the wind and the waves? We're going to rebuke this storm. It's this, this whole thing is a spirit of fear that the enemy has sent because he knows revival is coming. But God, what God is going to do is turn it around for good, turn it around for revival, so I want, I'm going to read Psalm 91 as a prayer, as a declaration. And when you hear something that resonates with you, I want you to shout amen. I want you to agree with it. I actually want you to, if you feel comfortable, even if you don't, just raise your hands to heaven right now. We're going to declare this over our church, over our city, over our nation. Our president has declared this a national day of prayer. When my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, what happens? God will, and turn to him, what happens? He will heal their land. This is what's happening right now. Let's declare this in Jesus' name. Psalm 91, those who live in the shelter of the Most High, that's us, will find what? Rest. Not panic, not fear, but rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We're in his shadow right now. This is what I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. Amen? He alone is my place of safety. He is my God, and I will trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap. Every trap. He will protect you from deadly disease. Hello. Hello. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. 
So we do not have to be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. We do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness or the disaster that strikes at midday. And though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. See how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Amen. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. He's sending his mighty army out right now to protect you wherever your feet step. They will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Then guess what? The tables are turning. You will trample upon lions and cobras. Satan is under our feet. That's his punishment for trying to exalt himself above God. His punishment for the rest of, until that day, his punishment is for you and I to step on his head, to crush his head. You will trample upon lions and crowbars. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Spirit of fear, you're done. I'm tired of this crap. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, what? I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life, and I will give them salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just say that name together. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, we bind and rebuke any, any attack from the enemy right now. We call it out by name, the spirit of fear and anxiety and worry. We do not honor them. We do not follow them. Fear is just faith, another word for faith. The only one we fear is the one, the lamb who was slain for us. We do not bow to fear. We rise up in faith. We rise up in faith. And we say, peace, be still. Coronavirus, you have no place on this earth. Be gone. In Jesus' name. We rebuke you in Jesus' name. We rebuke the spirit of fear. We rebuke the spirit of, of anger and bitterness that, that got its way in here. And we declare that Jesus is turning the tables. That we might be seated at the enemy's table right now, but surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the rest days of our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Now we're having church. Kiddos, today you get to stand with us. Yeah. I want to say something. I want to say something to you, kiddos. Um. This might be the adult service, but you, can, you don't have a junior Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit living inside of you that's inside of me. And God, I want you to listen to this word that's coming today because there's, it might be one little thing, but God has a word for each one of you kids, okay? Parents, if you have toddlers, just toddlers only, there's some, there's some stuff in the back. If they get restless, you can take them back there to hang out with. But I'd ask the bigger kids, you stay in here and you listen for a word from God. Okay, because the Holy Spirit wants to do something inside of you today. You know, it's no accident. You can take your seats, actually. It's no accident. I, I just want to 
say this to cause your faith to rise once again. We do this all the time, but it's just so awesome, the testimony of what God does. We planned this series underground back in November, November, before coronavirus was even a thing. And, and this whole idea behind this series is what would happen if the church had to go underground? We planned it back in November. Literally, you cannot make this stuff up. What's happening this weekend? The church, because of attendance ordinances, a lot of churches, like Isaac said, are having to go underground. But I think this is the training wheels for us to really ride our bicycle in revival. And we need to press into this, not forget about this, because God is using what the enemy means for evil to shake his church and find that seed that needs to grow underground and rise up so the world can see it, all right? So I want you to tune in today. There's, we're, we're few in numbers, that's all right. 12 people changed the world because of Jesus, all right? So we got more than 12 here, which is awesome. There's a word for each one of us today, I really believe that, that's gonna shake you, that's gonna break chains off of you, and I just want you to press in to this word as Rochelle gives it. Rochelle, why don't you come up here? Let's go. Let's go. Do that. Yeah. I'm ready. Can you guys hear me? Good. I'm really happy to see all of you. I can't hear myself. Are you sure you can hear me? <laughs> Thanks, Chris. He basically preached my message. But this is how I feel about that. I feel like God's trying to make a point. He wants you to hear him. You're going to hear some of the same things in my message that you heard this morning in our circle and what he just said from the stage. So tune in. I truly believe that you are here, that you, this day was ordained for you to be here. God knew you would be sitting in that chair today and that you would need to hear exactly what he has to speak to you today. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you are alive and well and you are moving and that you are here with us today. Open our ears, Lord, so that we can hear you. Speak through me, Lord, in Jesus' name. So as Chris said, we are starting our underground series today. And I want to take a minute and give you a little background about the idea behind it. So this was something that God put on Chris's heart. And, you know, this whole idea of underground, like the underground church in China. China has a huge underground church. And what's happening is their government is trying to wipe out Christianity. They're not going to tell you that. They don't want you to believe that. But that's the root of it. You guys, they're destroying church buildings, burning crosses, confiscating Bibles. They're arresting pastors and Christian leaders over there and putting them in jail because they're not following these strict guidelines that the, the government over there has put in place. And it's getting worse. But the crazy part is that the Christian church over there, the underground church, is exploding. God is moving so powerfully over there. But have you ever thought about, like, what if that was us? What if that was us? 
And I think us here in America, we've kind of had these blinders on. We've distanced ourselves because we think that would never happen here. Well, has this past week changed your mind? Because I don't know about that. I don't know. I used to think it wouldn't happen in my lifetime. I don't know. It very well might. What if it was us? What if one day you woke up and the authorities were standing at your door and they forced their way into your home and they removed every single Bible in your home? And not just that, but they took anything that had to do with Jesus, Christianity, the Bible, it's all gone. And then they leave so you get online and you're trying to look stuff up and there's nothing that you can find that points to Jesus or the Bible or Christianity. It's like it never existed. You are now your only resource. What you have breathed in is now what will actually sustain your breath. What you've ingested, what you have fed yourself with, is now what will nourish you. And what you've held high and prioritized in your life and held up here is now what will hold you in a really trying time. That's a sobering thought. Maybe a bit of a scary thought. So every message that you hear in this series was written out of what is stored in our hearts. I did not refer to my Bible. I did not read any commentaries, do any research. It's just what was in me. I had to go under the surface. I had to go underground and draw on the truth that is in me. And believe me, when I signed up for this series, immediately I got in my car after, after the teaching team meeting and I was like, help! <laughs> this is really intimidating. I don't know if I can do it. Because you start to question yourself. Like, do I really know you well enough, Lord? Do I know your, your word well enough that I could actually allow you to write a message, you know, that there's enough scripture in here or it makes sense? I didn't know. So immediately I started praying and almost immediately... I heard three questions, and I'll get to those in a second because I have to share this with you. The last couple days, I have really, really struggled because I didn't know. I was like, God, are you sure this is the message you have? Because there's really crazy stuff going on, and I want to make sure that I'm talking about what you want me to talk about. And I struggled with that for a couple days. And finally, I heard him say, yeah, this is the message I have for the people that are going to be there because they have to learn what to lay down so they can learn what to pick up so I can carry them into the future so they can be my hands and feet so they can bring my kingdom to earth. So the three questions, these are good if you want to write them down, if you're taking notes. Number one, where have you been? Not like God can't find you, but where have you been in your life? What has shaped you? What has molded you? What's your life story? And number two, where are you now? And number three, where are you headed? But the question that we're going to kind of hang out in today is where have you been? Because where you have been is affecting where you are now. And where you are now is affecting where you are headed, where God wants to take you. So where have you been? What's your story? What's your life been like? What experiences have made you, you? And there's probably good and bad, maybe more of one than the other. Maybe you've had more good in your life 
than bad. Maybe you've had more bad than good. But the good is always good. The good doesn't change to bad. But did you know as Christians, the bad doesn't have to stay bad. Because we have a God who loves to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. God loves to take what the enemy has used to try to destroy your life and actually use it to elevate you to a place of authority and power over those very things that the enemy used to try to take you out. So the struggles and the pain and the heartache and the tragedies all have a purpose as much as the good has a purpose. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, there's been times in my life, a couple of times, where I have used this verse or I have quoted this verse to someone, and I had someone say to me, well, you got to be real careful. You cannot take scripture out of context. That's how he said it. Because that verse was for a specific time and and for a specific people group. And I was like, really? Really? Because then that's what we could say in the entire Bible. And never bother applying God's truths or promises to our own lives. And we're his children. So every word spoken out of the mouth of God is for you, is for me. And the truth is, is that God does love you. The truth is, is that it is in God's character to give you good things, to give you a hope and a future full of blessing and goodness and, most importantly, revelation of who God is. His plans for you are good. Jesus said this. He said, if you being sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. Now, I know for me, I lack in the asking department. Like, I need to ramp up my game and start asking for the little things, big things, impossible things. You probably do too, because his plans are good. Now, maybe you're somebody who questions that. I used to. Maybe you look back at where you have been and you think to yourself, I don't know. I don't know how God could ever make anything good come from that. But let me ask you this question. Was there ever a moment in your life that you put the period, that you put the end mark? A moment in your life that you said, yep, my story's over. I'm never going to move on from this. My life's always going to suck. I'm always going to struggle. A moment that you feel you're stuck in the past. And it feels like chains are holding you back. You can't make progress. You just can't move forward. And it's like these heavy burdens that are just weighing you down. And you know what that is? It's bondage. Bondage to something that has happened in your past. Well, here's the good news. Jesus can break the chains that are holding you to something that you're in bondage to because that's what he died on the cross for. And a lot of times what has happened in our own lives has such a hold on us right now, it's affecting the way we're living right now. And do you know what we do? We end up putting our own burdens, our own bondage onto our kids. And you guys, listen to me. This is really important. That's a real thing. If you took some time and you looked back at your family line and your family history, 
I would bet money that you would find the same abuses, the same addictions, the same sin, the same negative behavior. That's why we need Jesus. Because he's the only one that can set us free from those bondages. He's the only one that can lift these heavy burdens that we've been carrying around for years and years and years. Jesus said this. He said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that tells me that we're going to have burdens. We're going to have things that are hard. We're going to have things that seem to weigh us down sometimes. Right? Most of us have burdens that we're carrying. But when we take the yoke of Jesus on ourselves, he helps to lift it. I don't necessarily see evidence that he carries it all for us. We actually have to take something from him. He says, take my yoke upon you. And this is kind of a funny story, but when I was first saved and I was reading the Bible for the very first time and I was just loving it, writing all these verses down that would stand out to me, and this was one of them. It was encouraging. But I thought it was talking about an egg yolk. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's spelled differently, but in my mind, I was like, well, it's probably Bible spelling, (laughs) the way they spelled it. And literal years went by, and I, one day I was like, you know, I'm going to see what this whole egg yolk thing is about. <laughs> and so I looked it up, and it's not talking about an egg yolk. It's talking about the kind of yolk that farmers would put on their work animals. And I think we have a picture we're going to put up. So it would go over to animals. And the purpose of it was that this yolk, this type of harness, would help to make the load easier easier to haul, easier to carry, easier to pull. So when Jesus tells you to take his yoke upon yourself, he's saying, hey, take me. Let me do this with you. Let me help you carry this. Because then when you feel too weak to pull your own weight, I'll just pull it for you. Actually, he says, when you feel so depressed and so distraught, And to the point that you can't even get up, I will just pull you with me because you have yoked yourself to me and I won't ever let you go. It is impossible for you to give up when you have yoked yourself to Jesus. Things don't feel so debilitating anymore when we are yoked with Jesus. But here's the problem. It takes submission. And I think that we humans have a little bit of a problem with submitting. And think about putting a harness on. You have to submit to the harness, right? A harness is not necessarily comfortable. It doesn't necessarily feel good. For instance, with parachuting, you wouldn't jump out of an airplane holding a parachute like you would a balloon and just like, I'm going to hope for the best. Let's see if this works. No, the the pressure of the wind would rip the parachute out of your hand and you'd fall to your death. The harness that you have on actually holds the parachute in place. The harness that you have on holds you in place as the wind whips against the parachute. The parachute takes the brunt of the force because you've got your harness on. And then that harness also allows you to see things from a very different perspective. You get to see the bigger picture because you have your harness on. The harness, 
the yoke of Jesus is meant to make things that are impossible possible. The yoke of Jesus is meant to make things that would be impossible possible, but we have to put it on. And I think we should be doing this every single day. We should be waking up and deciding what we're going to put on. And we only have two choices. We have the system of the world that we can clothe ourselves in, or we have the kingdom of God. That's our only two choices. And we have to start being really, really intentional about whose authority we're going to submit to. Whose yoke will you put on? Who will you serve today? And, you know, just because you, you choose to serve God, that doesn't mean that your life is going to be free of trouble. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So hard things, crappy things, are just a part of the fallen world that we're living in. But here's the good news. This world might have trouble, but if you're in Christ, you don't belong to this world. In the book of 1 Peter, he says the world is not our home. In the NLT, he actually says you are temporary residents. See, we're citizens of heaven. And Chris said this before, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. It also says that everything has been put under the feet of Jesus. So if we are seated with Christ, everything is where? Under our feet. Does that mean you will never feel pain or sadness or be affected by difficult things in your life? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that those things don't have to rule over you. When we take the yoke of Jesus, we rule over those things because they're under us. But I don't think we're doing that. I think we let all sorts of things rule our lives, especially things from our past. So where have you been? What's your story? And if you took a moment right now and you shut your eyes, and I asked you to start thinking about where you have been, go ahead and do that. Shut your eyes and think about where you have been. What kinds of things are starting to happen right now? What's stirring in you? What's starting to rise up in you? Like what situations or people come to mind that still have power over you? And listen, when something has power over you, it means that you're under its authority. And when you're living under an authority, you usually live in a way that that authority dictates. Some of you have given way too much authority to your past, to where you have been. Some of you are living from your past, from past hurt and pain, and you just can't let certain things go. And you can't move forward, and it feels like these, these burdens that you're carrying are too heavy. And you know why? Because they are. They are too heavy. You cannot do it without Jesus. You need his yoke to help lighten your load. And then for some of you, it's not necessarily the pain that we keep looking back at. But you keep looking back at the past because you're actually longing for it. You long for what was instead of longing for what is right now, what God is doing today. And if you're missing what God is doing today, how will you ever step into what God has for you tomorrow? You'll miss it. 
And listen, I am not saying in any way that it's not okay to like reminisce, get our photo books out, tell old stories, get together with family and friends and laugh, sometimes cry. I honestly think we need to do that more. I would love to do that more because you know what? I would love to share stories about my dad and remember him. He was a good dad. I love him. I miss him still. I'd love to share stories about my brother and remember him and the good times we had. I'd love to share some of that. I don't think we do it enough. We really don't know enough about where each of us has been. But this is the important thing. There's a difference between remembering and longing. And there's a difference between remembering and reliving. Like some of you are longing for the good old days, right? Instead of longing for what God has for you today. And then there's some of you that can't stop reliving the pain of your past. But the truth is this. You won't forget. You don't forget the things you've endured through your life. There's things we will never forget. I'll never forget what it was like to go through my dad's suicide 26 years ago. It's been 26 years. I will never forget that day, that moment, and the years, the horrible years, honestly, that followed that, the struggles that came with that. I will never forget my brother doing the same thing three years ago. In fact, I'm still grieving all of that. I'm still, it still hurts. I'm still working through it. But I don't have to continually relive it all. I don't have to live through those moments anymore because it's not where I'm at anymore. But don't we do that to ourselves? Like, we tend to relive the really painful times in our lives over and over and over. And can I just tell you this from experience? I don't believe that reliving the pain of our past brings us healing. I don't. Maybe we need to revisit some things from time to time that we've never dealt with. But constantly going over the scenario and reliving those moments does not bring healing. And it doesn't help you to keep moving forward and following Jesus. So how are you doing with that? Do you keep running to your past? Do you keep running to where you have been to try to find answers, to try to find the healing you're looking for, to try to just like figure it out? Or do you run to God? Because God is the only one that has the answers. He is the only one that has the healing you're looking for. And he's the only one that has the peace that you're looking for. But some of you don't have your eyes on Jesus. You have your eyes on what has been. So you can't even see where he wants to take you. Time is a funny thing. Time is a funny thing, isn't it? Like, the the past is done and gone. There's nothing you can do to go back and and live the good old days or what you perceive to be the good old days because I personally believe that God has some really amazing things ahead of us. There's nothing you can do to go back to those. And there's nothing you can do to go back and change any of the hard things that that have happened in your life. but very often we're living our lives from a place that's history. And what is history made up of? 
this isn't a trick question. What is history made up of? If you were to think about it, it's made up of a lot of dead things. And listen, I'm thankful for history. I'm thankful we learned from it. We can grow from it. But some of you have made an idol out of your past. And I'm not talking about the school subject of history, right? We need to learn American history. We need to learn world history, all that good stuff. I am not talking about that history. I am talking about your history, your story. So where have you been? And what dead things from your past do you keep trying to resuscitate? I mean, are you spending a bunch of time and energy trying to breathe life back into something that's just dead? Because listen, if if God's not resurrecting it, you don't want it coming back to life. Guys, we get so hung up on what it used to look like, whether good or bad, right? Like always saying things like, oh, man, those were the best days. Or hung up on what happened to you in the past, that we're missing out on what God is doing right now, and God is making all things new. Everything he is making new. But are you too busy looking over your shoulder? You're not even seeing all these new things that he has for you? Listen, God wants to take it all. God wants to take every bit of your past and use it for his glory. Scripture says all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things. So that means that everything in your story will work out for your good if you love God. That love word, though, trips people up sometimes. It used to me. Because I think we get hung up on this idea, like, well, I don't know. Do I love God? I don't know if I love God. So you got to work that out in yourself. So I want to insert a different word here. All things work together for the good of those who trust God and are called according to his purpose. So do you trust God? Do you trust God with where you have been? And I think that's a good question to ask yourself because you, every single person here today, you have been called for the purposes of God. That's why the enemy tries so hard to keep us looking backwards because the purposes of God are not behind us. The purposes of God are happening right now today and they are in motion, they're moving forward. But some of you are so weighed down by all the dead things that you've been carrying around for so long, you can barely even move. And listen, this is really important. There's some things that you are meant to carry, but there's some things you are meant to bury. There's some things that you were meant to carry, but there are some that you were meant to bury. There's things you need to have a funeral for. There's things I need to have a funeral for. We need to bury them. And listen, once they're buried, don't go digging them back up. Because we love to do that, don't we? It's like a dog with its bone. Bury it and go find it again the next day. It's crazy. But don't do it. Because the devil hangs out where dead things are. And that's where he wants you to stay, too, is where the dead things are, where there's no life, where there's nothing but decay and stink and rot. 
Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is life. So if you're hanging out where the dead things are, how are you going to be able to see where he's taking you? How are you going to be able to move into the purposes he has for your life? So I want to encourage you guys today. I want to encourage you to take a step back. Look at your life. Look at where you've been and determine what things are you meant to carry. For instance, I will carry a certain amount of grief with me for the rest of my life. I just will. The, the suicides of my dad and brother, it's unexplainable how difficult those are and still can be. I'll carry it for the rest of my life. But listen, it's under my feet. So it doesn't tell me how to live my life. It doesn't tell me where to go because I've yoked myself to Jesus and I have allowed him to help me carry it. And on the days that I feel like my knees are buckling beneath me and I can't move, I'm yoked with Jesus. So he just pulls me right along. So what things are you meant to carry? And what things are you meant to bury? An example in my own life. You guys, I have had to bury a lot of questions, a lot over the years. All those why questions. Questions I will never have the answer to on this side of heaven. I had to bury those. If I had not buried those questions, I would not be standing here today. I guarantee you. Because those questions had no life. They were stagnant. They were dead. And if I could have never let those go, if I could have never buried those, I would have never, ever stepped into the purposes that God had for me. And I would imagine that you're here today because you want to live a life with purpose. You want what God has for you. You want the burdens that you carry around to not feel so dang heavy. That's why you have to answer the question, where have you been? Where have you been? And what have you picked up along the way? What are you carrying? What are you holding? That number one, you're carrying without the yoke of Jesus. You're trying to do it on your own, so it feels really, really heavy. Or number two, what are you carrying that you should be bearing? And as we close, I want to talk about what happens when you don't bury dead things. What happens when you don't bury the dead things in your life? And I want to talk about, I want to talk about the story of Lazarus. So Lazarus and Mary and Martha were siblings, and they were good friends of Jesus. Jesus loved them. They were his good friends. And Lazarus got sick. And so Mary and Martha sent for Jesus because, well, they knew he loved them, and he, they also knew who he was. They knew he could show up and heal Lazarus in a moment. So they sent for Jesus. But Jesus didn't show up. Jesus didn't come. And Lazarus died. In fact, Jesus didn't show up for four days after Lazarus was buried. So what would have happened if Mary and Martha decided not to bury Lazarus. They were just like, you know what? We're going to try to make him not dead on our own. So they sit him on the couch. Martha's in making him a sandwich. I, and I, in my mind, I was picturing Mary's like, Lazarus, you feel really cold. You need coffee. Martha, get him some coffee. 
But what's going to happen? What's going to happen after several hours? They're going to start to see some things, maybe smell some things that don't look so pretty or smell so nice. What's going to happen after even more time goes on? After several days of them hanging on to this dead thing? Well, what's going to happen is that dead thing is actually going to start to release toxins, and it's actually going to start releasing things that are harmful to their lives, things that could actually destroy them, kill them. But thankfully, that's not what they did. They buried Lazarus. And that's when Jesus showed up. And listen, he didn't show up right away. Remember, Lazarus was in the grave for four days. And Jesus knew that even though things looked really, really bad, even though it looked like the story was over for Lazarus, like the end mark had been put in his story, Jesus knew the plan was good. Some of you are waiting on a miracle. Some of you are waiting on an answer to prayer. You're waiting for something to be resurrected in your life but you're not even willing to bury the old dead thing yet. What's the old dead thing in your life? Is it a thought pattern? Is it sin? Is it fear? Is it unforgiveness? There's a long list of past hurt and pain that's sitting in this room. So just fill in the blank. But listen, you cannot expect Jesus to show up and resurrect something in your life when you will not even bury it. You can't expect him to come to you and give you the new thing when you're just holding on to that old dead thing. How can you open your hands for the new when you're holding on to the old? And you can't expect to walk in the purposes of God if you're constantly running to where you have been instead of running to God. You know, if Mary had been focused on the dead thing, if she had been looking at the grave, she wouldn't have seen Jesus coming. And we wouldn't have what I personally think is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, and that, that is Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Mary was always looking for Jesus. Her eyes were always on Jesus. So she saw him coming, and she ran to him. And guess what Jesus did? Jesus grieved with her. Jesus helped her carry what was hers to carry. And then, then he said, show me where you buried him. And, of course, he raised Lazarus from the grave. But you know what? He didn't just raise the old Lazarus. He didn't raise the old thing. If Lazarus would have just come back as he was, he would have brought a lot of rot and stink with him. No, when Jesus resurrects something, he also makes it brand new. But I wonder if some of you are holding on to things because you don't really believe that, that God is going to show up for you. But listen, I am sure there were people back then that thought, you know what, why couldn't Jesus have just shown up and healed Lazarus instead of making all these people go through the pain of his death and the pain of burying him? Well, let me ask you this. What would you rather see? 
Would you rather see God heal a sick man or God raise a dead man? What one reveals more of his glory? What one would have the potential to increase your faith even more? It's not that healing someone, if God heals someone, yes, that reveals his glory. But what shows more of his glory? And I don't think Jared will mind me telling this, but the other night I was talking to Jared. And I told him about this question in my message that I was really excited about. And I asked him that question. I said, would you rather see God heal a sick man or God raise a dead man? And he goes, well, I guess it would depend on what he was sick with. (laughs) And I was like, wrong answer. Are you kidding me? Wrong answer. Because you know what that means? It means that you would be okay with settling for less of God instead of more of God. I don't know about you. I would rather have the wine than the water. You know, we think we know what we want God to do with our stuff. Whatever that stuff may be, right? We hold on to all sorts of things that are actually hurting us. And we wonder why we're not seeing breakthrough, why we're not seeing deliverance in our lives, why we're not seeing movement in our lives. It's because you have to put it in the grave. And then you need to turn around and you need to leave it there and you need to wait for Jesus to show up. And you know what? He will show up. And when he does show up, he's going to look at you and he's going to say, hey, let's do this thing together. Let me help you carry this stuff so that it doesn't seem so debilitating for you. Let me help you. And then he's going to say, oh, yeah, and... um." why don't you show me where you buried that dead thing because I've got something I want to do with it. You guys, if you want freedom, if you want to feel lighter, if you want your load to feel lighter, you have to figure out what is yours to carry and what is yours to bury. We got to bury some stuff so that we can free up some space in our arms to carry some of the things that God wants to give us. You guys, God is on the move. He is doing something amazing, and I want to be a part of it. You guys want to be a part of it. You might be sitting there looking all like, no, I don't think I do. I believe you do. I think in your heart you want to be a part of it. So this is what I'm going to ask. I am going to ask you to come forward during this last song. And this song was not planned. This song is called Run to the Father. Stop running to your past. Run to the Father. He is the one that has everything that you need. I want you to come forward, and I want you to ask God, show me, God, show me what what I need to carry with you, Lord. And then show me what I need to put in the grave. So as this song starts to play, guys, just come forward. Lay it down before the Lord. Let him start to resurrect things in your life. Let him start to give you the new. Let him start to replace the old dead things in your life.